0: Them poor, it's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK.
1: Ah, back with another fun filled adventure this week on the Beer Geeks. Uh, This week we're kind of down a few in the crew. Uh, Ed, who you may not even realize is on the show because he's so quiet all the time, (laughs) is is not here this week. And uh, Billy's getting some signage done. He's got to be, he's doing some woodworking, so I'm sure he has his uh, lumberjack boots on, some smelling like some sweet sawdust. He yeah. always smells like sweet sawdust. <laughs> That's Billy's cologne. That's yeah. what it should be, just sweet sawdust. Not just, you know, because I know that there's a couple of people that have the beard oil that smells like... Yeah. It, but it should be sweet sawdust. That's Billy's uh, trademark cologne. So, uh, yeah, we uh, have another great brewery on this week. Another real, to us, kind of, that came out of nowhere and just really hit it. Hardywood Park Craft Brewery out of Virginia, Richmond, Virginia area. Uh you may know them from their gingerbread stout. That's really what put them on the map. At least to me, that's how I first heard of them because that beer got a ton of hype and uh really justified. It was phenomenal beer. That's going to be coming out again soon for them. That's their seasonal with uh very especially around uh Christmas time. That's super enjoyable. Yeah, that's a beer that uh, just kind of took, brought
2: them in, and then they took over by storm. You never yeah. heard of them. All of a sudden, gingerbread shows up, and then boom, Yeah, here in full then,
1: force. And what we have this week, we don't have any of the gingerbread, so we are really showcasing what this brewery is capable of doing, and we're starting out with the pills. But before I get into any of that, let's get into some news. Now, one of the things—oh, also, remember talking to the co-founder, Eric McKay. I should have plugged that, too. We're talking to him, so it's not just us rambling on about the brewery, uh, but— if you have not paid attention this week on the news, and pretty much everywhere you've seen, the announcement from Lagunitas that Heineken now has a 50% stake in the brewery. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes, because it's a unique... If you read the press release, it's kind of it's vague, it's very open, but it... it reads more like Lagunitas did this to, as a way to open up European distribution easier, but a 50% stake is a good chunk of a brewery to give up, and we've seen these kind of things happen, and a lot of times it's a smaller percentage, so it'll be interesting to see where this one plays out. Some people are already, you know, <laughs> singing the death marches for them, but I, I don't see it going that out at all. Like They are they just opened up that new brewery. If you, if you want to know what Tony McGee's like, you can go back and listen to our uh, past episodes. They're all on beergeeksradio.com. We did an interview with Tony. He is a straight shooter, I guess is the best way of saying it. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah, he, uh, if you followed him at all on social media and everything, he is not afraid to open his mouth and say pretty much anything. So it's going to be interesting to see where this one goes as the dust settles, and you'll probably start hearing a little bit more from him as this goes on. So, I don't know, be an interesting one. And on the same backing of that, there was an announcement this week that Miller Coors purchased a majority interest in St. Archer, a San Diego brewery. That one is a little more interesting because, you know, we had Coronado on, everyone talked about San Diego, the the camaraderie there, the brotherhood of those breweries. This is the first San Diego brewery to kind of go in that direction. So the backlash from, I shouldn't even say the backlash, the, the, the murmurings from that were more interesting to follow because people are just now starting to turn and look at one another because they were always very so supportive, very much helping one another with everything and to see one of them kind of go towards the dark side if you will uh people are kind of just wondering where that's going to lead so i don't know that was a little bit of an interesting one We meet we, in, in our immediate area you might not be familiar with saint archer they weren't widely distributed but they were real up-and-comer in san diego and they a much much smaller brewery compared to yeah. lagunitas oh, so yeah.
2: when you see a big um, conglomerate gobble up somebody like that you're just like mm, let's see what happens yeah,
1: more that's... than lagunitas and uh Good news, though. Let's put it this way. Uh, Wicked Weed announced this week that they're opening up distribution into Atlanta. We had them on a few months ago. Really, really phenomenal brewery. And it's good to see them start to expand. So we'll see where that one takes everything. That's going to be an interesting route because they're a great brewery, have a phenomenal sour program, and then do some phenomenal IPAs. And actually, Matt and I just had their brand-new double IPA this week, Freakin' Nature, that we were both uh, very happy. That did not suck, (laughs) man. I'll tell you that much.
2: Earth, their most earthy, over-the-top uh, IPA probably had in a good way. In oh the, yeah. yeah,
1: they they really know what they're doing all around, which is great. Uh, now, a few things to plug coming up. Now, first, Billy's not here, and the next thing he's going to be working on as soon as he finishes this, Backyard has the Fall Fest coming up. Now, that's October 9, 10, 11. It's phenomenal, good time, great beer, great food. There's games, prizes. It's just a really good vacation. Yeah, no, Vacation. Let's call it a vacation. I was going to say a very fun time, but <laughs> it's a mini vacation. You just to the Backyard Alehouse, downtown Scranton. Billy will be back and be talking more about that, but definitely mark that in your calendars. October 9, 10, 11. Now, another one to mark on your calendar. If you're interested in seeing me, which, why wouldn't you be? Uh, <laughs> I just patted myself on the back. Uh, I smell rich mahogany. I'm going <laughs> to be doing a discussion at the Pittston Library uh, Thursday, September 24th. we are be talking about some pumpkin beers, going over the history, and I'll have some there for you, too. So if that's your jam, then be down there. And another thing, since we are getting towards Halloween... Uh, You might remember we did a beer dinner with our good friend Gene Feldman from Peculiar Culinary. We did uh, Pulp Fiction. I don't even know how long ago it was. Time goes by so quick. It's in the winter, like late winter. But uh, we are going to be doing another one coming up October 22nd. Uh, It's going to be Dinner with the Dead. And we're going to have some phenomenal fall beers with some great food. And we are going to be viewing the original Night of the Living Dead at his place in Houston. So mark that. Thursday, October 22nd, so hopefully you got all those dates marked down. Great food great beer, great movie. I mean, what else do you want? And it's like a little over a week uh, before Halloween, yeah. so I mean, that's perfect. So mark all that down, be a good time, uh, and get into some new beers that came out real quick. Dogfish had just released their Higher Math, 20% ABV, big beer. Uh, Deschutes has a collaboration called E-Hop with Harpoon that just came out, which just sounds really interesting in the... Kind of cooked way. Uh, it's an amber ale with sage and thyme. It's a unique um, collab going yeah. that far across the country and um, those two different breweries. I- yeah. Be, that's how yeah. I want to see what that one looks like. And Nkasi just announced, and we had their Slayer beer on uh, for winter last year, which is a great double alt. They now have a Pumpkin Slayer. Ooh. So nice. I want to see how that one's going to be because that's a really great double alt. If you're into German beers, that's a really good one. So I'll be interested to try that one. They just announced that today. So, all right, I don't know. I found out about today, but it was this week at some point. I don't remember. (laughs) I get so lost with everything. But uh, we are now enjoying uh, from Hardywood. This is their Pilsner. This is a German Pilsner. As I have said repeatedly, best way to find out anything about a brewery, you want to walk in, you want to ask for their Pilsner or ask for their pale ale if they don't offer one, and that will tell you everything you need to know about what's going to come from that brewery because if they can lock in that style, they have everything else dialed in because this is a lot more complicated that I think people give them credit for. Like a lot of people look at a Pilsner and it's like, oh, okay, whatever. It's like a macro kind of style beer, blah, blah, blah. I want something more flavorful and interesting. Great, but if you really want to know what a brewery is capable of, this is the way you do it. You try a good Pilsner because there's not a lot to hide behind And if they can get that balance right, then you know everything else is going to be good. You know, it's what it, what's the,
2: the uh, well, it's the beginning of uh, middle of September and it's rainy out and it's 60, do you, yep. you want some German beer, and what goes better than a nice little pilsner to start your day off? Super clean, super cr-
1: crisp, refreshing. Nothing clean as could be. Yeah.
2: Can't want anything more.
1: No, it's just like a little, little bit of biscuit malt there, a little bit of floral hops, but really balanced. 5.2%, so this is one of those super easy, sessionable beers. You just want to sit down and, and relax on a Sunday afternoon. This is a good football beer, and football is back. It is, and I call this breakfast.
2: Breakfast of champions.
1: Yes. (laughs) But yeah, this is just another great way to showcase. I mean, the brewery really has built up a great reputation for a lot of really big beers. So it's nice when you can kind of take a step back. Because it's not that it's easier to brew those beers, because it really isn't to to do them well. But you can hide behind a lot more in those beers. Especially if you're going to start throwing into like different kind of barrel aging and things. It's going to start taking on different notes. And if there are some off flavors, it's a lot easier to hide them. Yeah, And then if you're doing a Pilsner, there's not really anywhere for it to hide. It's all right there out in the open. And it's it's
2: really, I'm, I'm enjoying trying this because it seems like we get a bulk of the Hardywood products or their big, huge beers. We actually yeah. don't get a lot of their smaller beers. But uh, yeah, good stuff.
1: It's another great German pilsner, which is a style that you know. As I've said before, if if you're just getting into craft beer, you have a friend that's always like, "I don't like that. It's too this. It's like the usually, and it's funny to me because that's the number one complaint. And I've heard people say it with with craft beer is it's too flavorful, which just. Yeah, it's, yeah. That, <laughs> why, why? that tastes too good. Yeah, it's like why? Why is that a knock to anything? <laughs> like you never ordered food and went, oh, that's too much money I, you're giving me. I can taste this. I don't want this. It's like that doesn't make an ounce of sense. So that that kind of me is is a, a moot point. But this is a great one to give to someone if you want a, a loved one. Which you, why wouldn't you want a loved one to experience something flavorful?
2: Yeah. And if your friend whines like you just pantomimed, I guess you would say, <laughs> then you should not have that friend because that person's
1: a jerk. <laughs> That too. <laughs> let's, start, let's start alienating everybody in our lives. Yes. That's what we need to do. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to finish this Great Pilsner. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we are going to be joined by co-founder of Hardywood Brewery, Mr. Eric McKay, and we're going to really dive deep into this great beer and learn more about it here on The Beer Geeks on W-I-L-K.
0: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Monday. Work
3: day, play day, everyday. Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every day at Dixon
4: City Hyundai. It's the kickoff sell-off at Dixon City Hyundai. 2016 Hyundai Elantra SE lease for only 119 per month. 2015 Hyundai Sonata SE lease for only 139 per month. It's finally here—the all-new redesigned 2016 Hyundai Tucson, 239 per month. Save up to seven thousand dollars. We have the largest Hyundai inventory in Northeast PA. Up to 125 percent of KBB value on select pre-owned and zero down delivers on all new Hyundai's and America's best warranty—ten years, 100,000 mile limited powertrain and Hyundai. Dixon Hyundai Dixon
3: City Hyundai.
4: Dixon City Hyundai, 81 to exit 191A. Just past the Viewmont Mall on the left. For details, visit DixonCityHyundai.com or call one 800 Hyundai.
0: With 29 dollars down includes loyalty rebate of $500. Three-year lease, 10K miles per year, plus tax and tags and up to 125% of KBB value. Fair value minus 20 cents per mile in reconditioning. Up to $7,000 on new Hyundais on select models 2015 Sonata Hybrid. A 0% financing up to 72 months on select models 2015 Sonata Hybrid.
4: Entercom's Elite Eateries. Northeast PA's finest dining and family restaurants. Featuring White House Steak and Cheese. 312 East Elm Street in Scranton and the Iron Skillet Restaurant in DuPont.
3: Think you're fat? You might just be bloated. Find out by calling now for a free trial of New Biotics, the new breakthrough that flattens bloated bellies fast. For a free trial, call 1-800-700-6757.
4: I used to be plagued by pot belly and constant bloating. After taking New Biotics, my belly flattened and continues to get flatter. My sense of bloating and discomfort
3: is gone. If you've got a big belly, you might not be fat. You might just be bloated. New Biotics is scientifically formulated with natural ingredients to flatten bloated bellies fast by cleansing pounds of rotting food and toxic sludge from your body. It even combats periodic heartburn and acid reflux. So just think how much better you'll look and feel. Think you might be bloated? Call now for a free trial of New Biotics and see how much flatter it makes your belly. You might be surprised, but hurry call now for details while these free trials last. 1-800-700-6757. That's 1-800-700-6757. The Greater Scranton Chamber of Commerce and Metro Action are proud to present the 6th Annual Sage Awards. The Scranton Awards for Growth and Excellence. These
1: awards honor local businesses for their talent, creativity, and innovation. Award categories include Small Business of the Year, Woman of Excellence, and Best Practices in Community Involvement. A new award, Excellence in Leadership, recognizes businesses showing high-quality leadership and employee development. Applications are due Friday, September eighteenth and are available at ScrantonChamber.com.
0: When you think of the reasons people end up in the ER, you probably wouldn't think of West Nile virus from mosquitoes, asthma attacks from cockroaches, hantavirus from rodents, or Lyme disease from ticks. Even bites from fire ants and other stinging insects send half a million people here every year. But you could make a difference in helping to protect your family from pest-related illnesses. Go to pestworld.org to learn how. Why wait until there's an emergency?
1: I do solemnly swear. I am a federal employee. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. I am a Customs and Border Protection officer. And my job is to keep my country safe.
2: Against all enemies. We
0: work to make sure that the national banking system is safe and sound.
5: Faithfully discharge the duties of the office.
0: I believe in giving back.
3: I am about to enter. I am proud to work for America.
0: So help me God.
3: Every federal employee takes this oath.
4: Go to theyworkforus.org.
1: <laughs> I, w- I wanted to do a good Ric Flair woo one of these times. Yeah. I thought th- th- yeah, that was pretty weak. Yeah, I got to figure out a good. Well, I don't want to scream it into the mic. I got to do a like, low action yeah. ear You got to figure out how to, how to the, the the proper placement of the mouth to get a good woo going. And then I got to oh, slap so George many jokes right in the chair. So,
2: joke- <laughs> so many jokes can be said right now. But we are on live
1: radio. Yes, we are. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> all right, right now we are joining the phone. Uh, as I said, we're, we're enjoying some Hardywood Parkcraft Craft Brewery, a phenomenal brewery out of Virginia. And today we're going to be talking to their co-founder, Mr. Eric McKay. And right now we are joined with, by him on the phone. Eric, thank you for joining us today. But how are you doing on this lovely Sunday afternoon?
0: Hey, guys, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having
1: me. Oh, not a problem. We've already dived into a little bit of the the pills, which is always a great way, I always say, to start a brewery is really examining the pills. And you guys have really dialed that in nicely, which is a great stepping point off into everything else that we're going to be doing.
0: Thank you very much.
1: So now it's interesting. What was your background before getting into everything with the brewery?
0: Sure. So uh, quick sort of recap of, of how we came to where we are now. Um, Hardywood was founded by a good friend of mine from growing up, Patrick Murtaugh, uh, and myself in October 2011. And prior to that, um, I'd say the quick story behind the name of the brewery is that we both had homebrewed beer for the first time at a farm in Australia called Hardywood Park, which is where I did study abroad in 2001. And Patrick ended up uh, spending some time traveling around Australia with a college friend, um, and uh, it was a sort of our, our epiphany of beer and our um, definitely what sparked our passion for wanting to brew. That's what led to us becoming home brewers in 2000, late 2001, and um, and ultimately deciding we wanted to start a brewery one day and. Um, our careers in beer started in 2003 with a company called Union Beer Distributors in New York City that had just acquired the rights to an extraordinary portfolio of craft beer that was previously sold by uh, Brooklyn Brewery and um, included breweries like Sierra Nevada, Allagash, Armagang, Smutty Nose, um, some some really great breweries. Uh, both pioneers in craft brewing and innovators in the craft beer industry and got to work pretty closely with guys like Rob Todd and Bill Kovaleski from Victory and um, really was inspired by those guys and learned a tremendous amount from them and working in distribution, got to work closely with retailers from tiny little bodegas in, in Manhattan to um, the nicest white tablecloth restaurants in, in New York and uh, kind of broad range in between there from grocery stores to um, to beer bars. And uh, it was, I think, absolutely um, an incredibly educational experience for us and, and a, a great way for us to understand how beer gets from breweries to the end customer and uh, the challenges that retailers and distributors face and um, – That ultimately led to us opening our doors in Richmond in, uh, as I said, October uh, 2011. So we're coming up on our four-year anniversary.
1: Uh, it seems like and you get like a real inside uh, look at everything because usually most of the people who start up a brewery don't see that end of it until they're going, and sometimes it's too late to figure it out. So you, ha- you had that really good insight prior to everything. But when when you had those beers, do you remember what it was, like w- what style it was that you had that, that first kind of got you going?
0: I do, yeah. it was a uh, So at the grocery stores in Australia, they sell kits that are uh, malt extract made by mm-hmm. Cooper's Brewery, um, and Cooper sells some beer in America. They make some fantastic beer. And this is their sparkling ale, which is their flagship beer um, that uh, David Crawford, the owner of the farm, brewed as a uh, homebrew and um, did a great job of it. It it comes with uh, the malt extract, and then you can add some grain and hops and uh, sort of tweak it a little bit to make it your own. Um, But it was was a malty, amber-colored, full-flavored, I guess you'd call it probably an amber ale in the U.S., a little less hoppy than a, a pale ale. Um, but really delicious, flavorful beer. And prior to that, it was all adjunct lager.
1: Uh, that was my prior next to question: today. Was that was what was in that beer that really made that transition? But you just explained that one. So when you had that, and that opened those doors up, was there an immediate kind of response to want to eventually get into a brewery? Or, I mean, you said you got into home brewing then, but like when did that dream and vision come about of wanting to open up your own brewery?
0: It was, I'd say, early into home brewing. I think it was the thrill of being able to make something from scratch and share it with friends and just have that be a part of this social experience that people really enjoyed and felt like if, and I was always interested in, in branding and marketing and um, felt like if we could combine these passions, and ultimately I'm in the, uh, as the president of the company, I oversee finances and marketing um, first and foremost, and Patrick is the Brewmaster and he oversees uh, the production side of things. He went to brewing school at uh, Siebel Institute and Dumont Academy and um, so for me it was a lot about um, sort of the con- conceptual side of, of a recipe and then um, the branding, the artwork and, and the way you can make that beer something different and for Patrick, it was more about um, the, the science and the uh, putting together a recipe that was well balanced and um, and unique and uh, So that was, I'd say, a lot of what um, culminated in um, putting a business plan together and, and making it all happen.
1: So what led to you guys winding up in Virginia? Were you guys from there initially?
0: No, so I went to school in North Carolina, and our original business plan actually had us opening in North Carolina. We were looking in the Charlotte region, and for similar reasons that we ended up in Virginia, the um, real estate costs were astronomical in New York City, mm-hmm. and uh, we wanted to be a distributing brewery, so it made more sense to be in a, a place that had a, a little bit better um, sort of access to warehouse space. and um, The market share for craft beer was growing extremely rapidly in the southeast, but the Um, the the existing share and the number of breweries per capita were very low at the time. There were no breweries in in the Charlotte region, and there was really only one brewery, Legend Brewing Company, in Richmond at the time that we did open. Um, So we were interested in the southeast, and in 2008, the company I worked for, it was Union Beer's parent company. I was their director of marketing, and they purchased Specialty Beverage, which is a uh, craft beer wholesaler based out of Richmond, Um, And that sort of opened up an opportunity for me to relocate with my family, my uh, wife's family is all from North Carolina. My brothers live in North Carolina, and parents are uh, actually currently relocating to North Carolina. So it was a draw to come down. I was born and raised in Connecticut, and Patrick was born and raised in New York City. Um, So it was kind of a transition for both of us, but really one um, based on what we thought was the opportunity. uh, And the, the writing on the wall was that, there weren't a lot of breweries in in richmond or or really the cities of north carolina at the time and uh i think as much as we had seen in cities like portland oregon and um cities that had similar sort of cultural uh connections to specifically richmond where you have a great thriving independent restaurant scene Mm -hmm. uh, second highest number of independent restaurants per capita uh, a great outdoors community where you have whitewater rapids running right through the city and tons of single track mountain biking trails all around and um people that have similar sort of cultural values to people of cities like portland and uh felt like you know craft beer is is gonna take off here and and we just need to try to get in at the right time and so far that's been working beautifully so uh as you know i'm sure stone uh brewing company decided to build their east coast brewery here in Richmond and Mm -hmm. I think between that and Green Flash coming to Virginia Beach and the ongoing success of of many of the the newer craft breweries in Virginia, uh, I think it's just amazing what's happening to the scene
1: here. Yeah, so I was going to mention, because uh, I went to college with my, my good friend uh, Hunter owns Champion Brewing Company down there. Oh, yeah. And, absolutely. Uh, Hunter's yeah. a great guy. Oh, I love Hunter. We, we spent a lot of times up in Boston school together, so it was a good time. Uh, Making some great beers. Drinking some PBR. That was, that, that was those days. That was the... Uh The golden days, I guess. (laughs) But, uh, no, that that was the one thing, because even talking with him, like, you know, being in that Virginia scene, like, what do you see, seeing as, like, when you got there, all these things were starting to open, like, what do you see as the thing that's driving Virginia as being this uh, ongoing hub now for craft beer?
0: You know, you look at certain cities, like, you know, more established cities, I'd say San Diego and Denver, and and they've been building for a much longer period of time, and I think just about every brewery that's opened in, in Virginia in the last five years has ownership that really kind of gets it and understands the benefits of collaboration instead of competition. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and all these beers like collaboration, not litigation. And those all sort of came about before the boom really happened in Virginia. And I think uh, everyone's opening up with this attitude that, we need to work together and we can accomplish a lot more by, by working together. And so far that's worked out really well. People are um, doing a lot of collaboration beers within the state. They're just working together toward common goals in a very fluid and uh, efficient manner that I think is going to enable Richmond's brewery scene while it's still very young to really um, shine and, um, gain a lot of uh, enthusiasm, become a craft beer destination for travelers, and really just become a place where people are, are very proud of their home state breweries.
1: Yeah, you definitely see that. That kind of echoes what, what Hunter's always said to me, too. It's just like that, that vibe, because it's one of those uh, medium-sized states, but you can still get to know everybody pretty well and working with one another. Now, when you first opened the doors, like what were the kind of initial beer offerings that you had from the brewery?
0: Our first few offerings were Single, which is our Abbey Blonde Ale, and that was Um, based on our experience working for a distributor where just about every brewery we represented started with a pale ale and an IPA as their flagship beers and we wanted to do something that was very different and that was distinctive and and there weren't many breweries I actually didn't know of any production breweries commercial breweries that had a Belgian blonde ale as a flagship beer at the time we opened Um, so we just sort of took a a shot at it and um, went with single as a uh, uh, flagship beer and um, it certainly took some education. People didn't know how to pronounce it. And, you know, we spell it a little bit differently than uh, the English spelling of the word single, We're trying to pattern it after the triple and double.
1: What was the best uh, pronunciation that you
0: remember? Sin gel, <laughs> like uh, something that sinners use for
1: <laughs> <laughs> to clean
2: themselves. <laughs> Hair product.
0: <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, single, um, pronounced the normal way. Um, has been our flagship beer since we opened and it was the first beer we brewed uh, commercially and it was a beer that Patrick and I brewed about a hundred times at least as home brewers before we really dialed in the recipe based on Patrick's experience of West Fletorin's Blonde Ale which is drier and hoppier than most Belgian table beers and uh, so we ended up with a drier hoppier uh, Belgian Blonde and then the second beer was RVA IPA which is a, a community hopped beer we sort of patterned that after our homebrewing experience, giving hops to neighbors and, and then using their fresh hops to make a, a wet hop beer every fall. And um, so actually just this past weekend we released RVA IPA, which uh, um, is a beer that we now have about 150 hop contributors uh, each year. We donate 1,000 rhizomes to the community every spring and um, have started hosting this party to sort of celebrate the release of this wet hop beer Um and even a commercial hop farm uh, started out as participants in this uh, wow. community hopping program uh, three years ago, I guess. and uh, now they have a few acres of hops growing in virginia and um, and that's been a, f- a really fun project to see come to fruition and continue to to grow and gets a lot of people who aren't f- who weren't previously familiar with what hops are and what they can contribute to beer um, a lot more uh, intimately familiar with with the actual flour and the ingredient um, and then Farmhouse Pumpkin was our, our third beer and it was uh, the second of our reserve series with RVA VA IPA also being a part of that and uh, the reserve series consists of eight beers that are all uh, that all focus on one particular Virginia grown ingredient as uh, a the signature characteristic of that beer and um, we actually also released that one yesterday uh, we used Virginia sugar pie pumpkins as the uh... Um, main uh, sort of characteristic of the beer and uh, we get some spices from a, a century old uh, spice factory right around the corner from the brewery called CF Sour C-S-A-U-E-R and um, uh, so it's sort of a, a fun way to showcase some Virginia ingredients and, and that one also in trying to be distinctive we, we went a different approach than many pumpkin beers we, it's about 8.5% alcohol we use a, a farmhouse ale, Saison yeast, and um, dries the beer out quite a bit. So instead mm-hmm. of being sweet like many pumpkin beers, it's got this really pleasantly dry characteristic and a little bit of farmhouse funk that you might find in a Saison. A uh, and then it has a, a pretty solid backbone coming in at 8.5%.
1: Yeah, that's actually what we're, where we have in our glass right now is the farmhouse pumpkin. It's, it's, just, it's really interesting to see that because taking that route of having it be like a Saison thing, was that something that... Um, you had really wanted to, or was it kind of sitting down and trying to formulate uh, you know, what you wanted to do as a base beer?
0: You know, it, many of the beers we brewed dozens and dozens of times as pilot batches before we really finalized the recipe. And this is one that we, we kind of winged it. And uh, we kind of had this idea that if we use this Saison yeast, it could make it distinguishable and could work really well. We had never had a Saison uh, with pumpkin before. And um, sure enough, it, it turned out great. And I think we've we've made a few subtle tweaks to the recipe each year. And I think we've really gotten it pretty dialed into what we envisioned for the, the final product. Um, but it's a, a really unique and different pumpkin
1: beer. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's really, it's super enjoyable, which is great. It's not overly spiced. Now, one of the other beers you guys have really gotten yourselves known for is everything with the gingerbread stout. Now, yeah. that being like a bigger beer and everything, was that something that. You know, you really wanted it, you know, that Patrick put together out of a love for it, or was it kind of an experimentation that that then, you know, you realized you had such a knack for it of of doing this? Because now you've gotten a a good line of some a lot bigger beers.
0: Sure. Well, so uh, as Hunter and I'm sure everyone in those early brewery building stages know, it's a crazy time when you open a brewery and you're generally just working around the clock. And uh, we had these first two Reserve Series beers come out, and we knew this Reserve Series was going to be more unique, generally higher-gravity beers. We didn't know that it was all going to focus on Virginia ingredients. Mm-hmm. And uh, and using local hops and local pumpkins seemed like a natural uh, transition. And to be perfectly honest, we didn't have a plan for a third beer in the series yet. We were, as homebrewers, we brewed a vanilla stout um, a number of times that was a very similar base recipe, and uh, and that was sort of the direction we were planning to head until a uh, local ginger farmer named Bill Cox, he and his wife, India, own a farm called Castlemont Farm, and he walked in the door and he said that he had seen a, uh, uh, admittedly, it was a pretty cheesy uh, YouTube video that we put together showing us cutting up pumpkins for the uh, farmhouse pumpkin beer, and uh, he said his son told him that there were some guys that were using local ingredients to make beer, and, um, and he made what looked like we thought it was sugarcane or something he brought these big stalks turns out it was ginger the whole ginger plant wow. um, and he was just passionate about uh, the ginger that he had been growing uh, for only about a year he, he spent years working on growing ginger successfully in, gin, in uh, Virginia and uh, had this um, Hawaiian white baby ginger that um, he cut up and we tasted samples of it and we're just impressed with his passion and um, the uh, care and attention that he put into um, growing this this product and uh, felt pretty captivated by it. And shortly after, uh, met uh, the wife of Cy Bearer, who owns Bearer Farms and is a beekeeper in uh, Louisa County, uh, Virginia, not far from Richmond. And uh, so we started thinking, well, what if uh, we tried to use these two local ingredients? We were thinking maybe a honey beer in the summer and a ginger some sort of beer. Maybe it more of a summertime beer, but it sort of clicked. But a vanilla stout with um, with ginger and honey could, could work really well. And um, so we started doing research and we didn't find any other gingerbread stouts on uh, the internet. So we didn't really know what to expect it to taste like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Patrick sort of tweaked the vanilla stout recipe and used uh, milk sugar to add a little body to it and give it that I think what comes through is kind of that icing on the cookie um, characteristic yeah. that uh, works really, really well. Um, and we, we added some other spices to try to round it out and then used a, a few different yeast strains to to see which one worked the best. And one batch of this test, this pilot brew that we did just turned out great. And, uh and really tasted exactly the way we we thought it might and uh so that that's what we released in the first year we released it we had about a dozen people show up i think it was a wednesday afternoon and uh people started tasting it and sort of looking at each other and saw these you know you always get nervous releasing a brand new beer <laughs> yeah. especially early on when it's a you you gotta you gotta have some winners if you're gonna stay alive and uh this one we could just sense this set this sense of enthusiasm among the people that were there that this beer was really really quite good and uh, and you know that beer sold very quickly whatever we could make for the distributors that year and um, shortly after got a, a 100 rating from beer Advocate magazine which was a, a huge um, source of excitement for us and our whole team I mean people were just on a cloud are still on a cloud over that um, and uh, I think that was reiterated by um, our World beer Cup bronze medal for the urban spice beer category uh, ab- about a month later and uh, and since then gingerbread stout has become uh, it's currently the highest, I believe the highest rated beer in Virginia on uh, beer advocate and p- people just seem to just just fall in love with this beer and uh, we had well over a thousand people come out to the, the second release of it in 2012 and um are expecting to release it the weekend after halloween this year and are expecting a, a, a really nice turnout as well so um we're very excited about that one we're playing around with a few different variants and expect to have some apple brandy barrel aged version of it Ooh, and, Ooh that's um, bringing that's, yeah. back the uh, <laughs> bourbon barrel aged version of it and um just hope to, to keep having some fun and and Trying to maintain the highest quality we can, and are dedicated to using um, the maximum amount of uh, Virginia ingredients that we can. So
2: now, um, now you guys have um, a, a very eclectic, um, um, you know, portfolio of beers. And if you actually go on your site and you know look at your guys' history and look at your pictures, you guys have traveled and done a lot of stuff and exposed yourself to um, a ton of different beers, whether it be judging or just traveling and stuff like that. Is that pretty much why your beers are that across the board different? Because you have Belgians to Stouts to Pilsners to Mybox to everything. Are you just trying to expose yourself to as much beer as humanly possible just to not be pigeonholed to a specific style? or, or is we, that We are, different?
0: yeah, yeah. We didn't want to be sort of characterized as a... a you know, certainly a stout brewer or an IPA brewer or a Belgian beer brewer. We've really wanted it to get all over the place. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it used to be early on the craft brewers would manage one yeast strain and they'd make a brown ale, a pale ale, and an IPA with the same yeast strain, maybe a stout. Um, but you have the same sort of baseline characteristic flavor in the beer from the way the yeast interacts with malt. And uh, we managed probably about 20 to 25 different yeast strains uh, per year at the wow. brewery and are just dipping our toes in the water now in um, lactic fermentation and um, using PDO Lacto and Brett um, to uh, to really you know explore the wild side of beer.
2: So are you doing and, that because yeah. you're expanding so now you have a newer facility because you don't want to infect stuff or you're just gonna have a separate system you're using that We
0: keep it separate. We keep uh, all our um, barrel aged um, sour beers separate in within the same um, facilities we have two buildings in, um, in Richmond currently and we're actually working on uh, should be breaking ground this fall on a new facility that'll be about uh, 15 to 20 minutes west of our current facility and that uh, we expect to have um, facilities that are more designed for uh, sour ale fermentation
1: wow no, that's great man it's good to see you guys expanding out too and People will be able to get your beers more often, but we, because of being live radio, Eric, we are up against the uh, the break now because we have to take commercial breaks. So we're gonna cut this one off. But you've been phenomenal. More than enough information I could even have asked for, and uh, we still have some more beers to get through too. We're gonna be getting into some great return and trickery later on too. So great. I really appreciate you taking the time to give us a call. It means a lot. And you guys are really killing it. And it's great to see you guys expanding and getting even larger.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for all you guys do for craft beer. Not a problem. Thank you. Thanks so much, Thank Eric. Cheers, Cheers. brother.
1: Cheers. Cheers. So, another phenomenal, phenomenal brewery with some phenomenal beers and uh, just really killing all of this. And I'd love to sit down and talk to him for like nine hours. Oh, God, yeah. There's, there's, you could tell, like, we, we didn't even scratch the surface no, on that no, one. No, there's no, no. So this is when we need to sit down and uh, really dive deep in with him. But I smell a road trip. For, <laughs> you smell a road trip? Oh, God. Oh, yeah, I don't know what it smells like, but I'm just assuming. <laughs> but right now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we have some more great beers to get into from Hardywood here on the Beer Geeks on W.I.L.K. Hi, my
0: name's Tim Forhand. I'm a deputy sheriff. In my job keeping me in shape is important. I've tried other products to get my weight down, but nothing has worked like Android 400. In just three months, I've dropped 51 pounds, down from 230 to 179. Plus, the weight's come off in the stomach area. I've gone from a snug 36-inch waist to a 32-inch waist, which I was in high school. I highly recommend Android 400 to all my friends.
3: Guys. Are you frustrated because no matter how hard you try, it seems impossible to lose stubborn belly fat? Then discover why thousands of men each month rely on Andro 400. Lose belly fat, gain energy and confidence, and feel great about yourself. Andro 400, the safe, effective, and inexpensive way to boost your testosterone. Go to Andro400.com or call 888 400 0435.
5: For most companies, internet speeds are a game of chance, like the phone company offering up to internet speeds. Chances are, up to means that speed is not available depending on your location. With Comcast Business, your business's internet connection speed isn't left to chance. That's because the speeds we offer are available across our entire network. No games, no chance. Game over. So call 866-704-8952 and get 25 megabit internet for $69.95 a month. Not up to the speed you pay for, all the speed you pay for. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offer ends September 30th, 2015. Restrictions apply. New business customers only. Two-year contract required. Early termination fees apply. Equipment taxes and fees extra and subject to change. Require subscription to Business Voice and TV Services. Call for details.
4: Hi, it's Sue Henry. I'm not the only one who is enjoying the benefits of my pillow. People have been asking me about it for months, and some of you have gone ahead and ordered it. And with a special buy one, get one offer for WILK listeners, why wait? When my pillow arrives at your home, you can wash it and fluff it in the dryer. Then notice, like I did, how it adjusts to you thanks to its patented interlocking fill. Those who have tried my pillow love it because it stays cool. Listeners report waking up without neck pain or a headache. Like with some other pillows, it has a 10-year warranty and is guaranteed not to go flat. Order MyPillow today. There's a 60-day money-back guarantee on this Made in America product endorsed by the National Sleep Foundation. Call 1-800-544-7893 and use the code WILK for a special buy one get one offer from MyPillow. That's 1-800-544-7893 with the code WILK or visit them at MyPillow.com.
1: Summer and golf are about to be things of the past. If you're like me, you haven't had your fair share of either. It's okay because good golf weather and Stonehenge golf incentives give you more reasons to play. Play the premier public course that boasts 6,600 yards and 71 chances at greatness. Drive a cart for 29 bucks weekdays and 39 bucks weekends. Golf Stonehenge. Call Stonehenge for tee times and details. 836-5108. Stonehenge.
3: Country Club Field Public Deal.
1: Got the good uh, space for the the mouth. There we go. We're good. Hey, it's Ric Flair, everybody. (laughs) So uh, we have some more great beers from Hardywood, and and that was a great interview. I mean, Eric, you could tell just from talking to him, the guy absolutely knows his stuff and uh, just absolutely killed it and really had. That's one where I wish we could sit down for a couple hours and just really pick his brain because... It was, there was so much trying to condense into that, and that's what's, it's great when you have that, but that's what's tough when we're on live radio because we only have a finite amount that we're up against to be able to get these things in, but you could just tell we could have talked for hours, and probably still barely even gotten to. I mean, and it, it showcases why this brewery is has the reputation they have. Yeah, but I they mean, have the knowledge to back it up. You you look at him and his partner's
2: history; they're just out there. They're not just brewing beer. They didn't own a brewery and just kind of shut themselves in, like yeah. and
1: making their own beer. They're out there exposing themselves in the beer world too. Like that's that's what we've talked about that before too. Like you have people that are great with brewing beer and not to great you know brew really delicious beers, yeah. but to talk to them. Is a little tough sometimes. <laughs> and like that, that's what's great Like yeah. when you have that current combination, that's when you see these breweries really hit the ground running, and that's what they've been able to do because they're able to get out there and connect with people on yeah. a real level. It's one thing to sit there and talk about the OGs and blah, 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 but the average person's like, I, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Is this good or is this bad? And that's the end of the story. Alpha acid? is yeah. a band from <laughs> the 80s? <laughs> I love that band, man. <laughs> but uh, we, we've cracked open in the break. We started drinking... This is The Great Return from Hardywood. This is a 7.5% West Coast-styled IPA, just a really killer beer. Like I, This is one of the first ones that I had. I mean, I had the gingerbread stout first. This is the the second beer I had from Hardywood that I just was like, okay, now I know they know what they're doing because they, they dialed in both those styles so well. And to have an East Coast brewery do a really killer West Coast style. And it's not, when we say West Coast, it doesn't have that. It's not over the top. Yeah, it's you, you, can, you can enjoy it. It's not going to... Uh, have a cat go to the bathroom in the mouth. Yeah. Or as I would put it, uh,
2: Rambo going face first into a pine tree. Yes.
1: Yeah. It, it's It's got all those things, but it, it's balanced. Your enamel is not melting off your teeth. You could drink a whole one of these and be totally fine and not be like, oh, my palate's shot. Yeah. Because that's the problem with some West Coast IPAs or people that are claiming to brew... West Coast style IPAs. All they're doing is hopping the crap out of it. And then basically, you know, we had Garrett Oliver on months ago and he was like, yeah, those are challenge beers. Like, I bet you can't finish this. Like, well, why do I want to do that to myself? I want to be able to enjoy something and that's what it's all about. And this is really, the one thing I will definitely say too, with everything we've had from Hardywood so far on the show and that I've had in the past is balance is is so perfect. And when you see that focus for any of the breweries, like all the breweries we had on that really focus on having, maintaining good balance they're all killer bears. Yeah, and I mean, and the
2: best part about it is that we're getting decent distribution from them, but I mean, was it like a month and a half ago they announced an expansion and they're actually like growing infinitely, so I yeah, mean... Yeah, we, we sh- didn't get to
1: talk to them about that. I know, the it, it, when they,
2: they. I forget the actual footage or, or barrels they're going into, but I mean, it seems like they're going to be able to like pump out quite a bit so you should see their actual production in this area and distribution should be uh, pretty readily available i yeah. would assume by the end of this year the beginning of next year
1: yeah and definitely like he said keep an eye out for the gingerbread style he said it's coming out uh, right after halloween this year so i mean that's definitely for the winter i mean that is absolutely killer in the winter to sit down and enjoy that one and it's great to stock up on it and just have that as you're curled up in the crying yourself to sleep because there's 16 inches <laughs> of snow. I don't it actually pairs very that. well with crying yourself <laughs> to I,
2: uh, I actually, I took one and put it aside just so I could kind of side by side. Mm-hmm. Just out of
1: curiosity to see how that ages. well this is, I just poured the, uh, so we finished up the great return cuz now this is always a fun part of the show cuz we have to cram a bunch of stuff in a little bit of time. But uh we just poured the as uh <laughs> as Eric said the Sin Gel. Yeah, the Sin Gel. <laughs> it's what uh, the Merciless uses in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> but this is their uh the Hardywood Single. Uh it's a Belgian abbey. It's a it's a Blondale style. 6.2% he said this is one of the first beers they really came out with as a, as a wide release and just awesome to see that like a really good Belgian styled beer. And it is really like a super dry finish. It like gets really nice to have that dry finish on the end.
2: Yeah, letting that uh, yeast kind of uh,
1: pave the way as opposed to, you know, Americanized hop stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's super drinkable, too. I mean, it's great because sometimes a lot of the Belgian beers that, that uh, people gravitate towards or, or discuss a lot that they're, you know, this is the thing, this is that. And the, they, they tend to be the bigger ones. And it's mm-hmm. nice to see a really good, somewhat smaller one. I'm gonna pop the cork on the next one. And get it ready. Yeah. And, um, but no, it's it's really nice to have like a really solid like this is is sessionable, even. It's like a really sessionable Belgian beer.
2: Yeah, I mean, your singles, typically your singles, when you're talking about Belgian beers, or more specifically Trappistales, or your bunk, or your bunks, monks. Um, <laughs> your monks, yeah, yeah. Your monks uh, that's what they drink when they're at dinner and stuff like that, so it's typically lower ABV, mm-hmm. something they're actually going to drink themselves, so it's something that is, is meant to be sessionable, but at the same time flavorful enough to you're not just forgetting about it.
1: Yeah, and it's great, too, like what we were saying, like they have this wide open portfolio of different variations on different beers. Like, you, don't, you don't see them honing in. Like, like even with the gingerbread style, they really, like, even when I mentioned that to him, you could hear in his voice, like, yeah, like, that's the one, like, that people crazy for but they didn't pigeonhole themselves they didn't go okay that's what everybody likes let's make 20 variants on it and have it released throughout the year we'll do like no they're still cranking out like they they have this really awesome core line they start experimenting and going into all these other different things and they have a whole line i mean they have in in the spring they have hoppler which is an awesome awesome ipa that's actually aged with popular well, I got to have that it's just a delicious beer the the pumpkin one is also really good That we just had They have a coffee stout A raspberry stout so, they're going into all these different things. Like, they're not just being like, oh, well, this is where we can make our money. Like, and that's, you know, i are not going to fault anybody. As we've said on here before, it's a business. You got to do what makes sense and keeps the doors open. But you, you don't want to go down that path. And it's, but sometimes it's a hard struggle because you're, you're having issues. You know, and we had Treehouse on last week. Like, Dean even, it was a subtle slip in, but he even said, yeah, I'm having problems making rent right now because all the money's yeah. going back in the brewery because they're trying to maintain it. Yeah. And when you have that stress level, sometimes it's easier to go, well, I know I'm going to sell this, let's do that. But if you maintain that uh, long focus, and they definitely seem to have that, even the brewery itself, if you go on hardywood.com, is the brewery's website, and if you want to poke around and see what the brewery is all about, it's awesome. Like they're very eco friendly. They maintain, you know, they, they have all their own uh, energy production, they have a lot of it coming from wind. What is the percent? 99% is wind power, 1% is renewable energy. That's how the brewery's going. I mean, it's like they are really a part of it. And like they're very green. They use a lot of renewable wood and everything in the brewery itself. It's, it's, they want to be a part of Mother Earth, I guess, if you will. Yeah. But and it's, it, it, it shows like
2: how they treat everything. And it echoes pretty much what I said last week, which is there's a difference between doing it and doing it right. And they're just doing it right. They're making really good beers. I've never had a bad beer from them, and you'd be like, oh, that's a generalized statement, but no, there's a lot of companies that make some really good beers, but they have some, you know, kind of crappy, you know, uh, one or two that kind of are out in my field, and I've never had one that was even close to being bad from Hardywood. No, go ahead,
1: sorry. No, uh, you go ahead. It's it's interesting to see, too, because, you know, you have that wide spectrum of these really well-done, massive beers, Matt. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, wah, wah. <laughs> but they, they have this wide range of like really good big beers but they can also dial in these like really wonderful like a light pilsner and have that the single like have these other styles that are a lot lighter and, and call for a much less heavy handed approach to doing it and it's, it's two totally different uses like people think of brewing as just brewing like there's kind of different uses of your brain it's kind of like playing death metal versus playing jazz like you, you, yeah it's still music but you kind of have a different approach to it yeah.
2: The uh, the funny thing was, is I asked a question about being eclectic, and I have a, a wide range of beers. And it, I was going to kick that off with talking about, um, are they ever going to get into sours? And before I even say that, yeah, he's, he's, he's dipping in. Beer. I'm really interested to see what yeah. they produce on a sour level.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you, and they, if they have that focus of balance like they do, that's what's going to kill it. Because a great sour that has that focus is absolutely perfect. And speaking of absolutely perfect, we've popped the cork and we have poured our final beer from them. Now, this is a... Uh, they just released this one. This is available now, uh, Trickery. This is uh, the 13.5% Imperial Milk Stout aged in apple brandy barrels. So delicious. Yeah. This, and it's 13.5% and honestly, if it wasn't for the malt bill, th- there's no burn. It's it's super drinkable. I mean, you could tell it's big. Like You can tell it's a big beer. But it doesn't have that burn. I don't know if Matt's dead or... I'm not going to talk anymore <laughs> for the rest of the show. I'm just going to sit here and <laughs> contemplate my life.
2: Yeah, this is... Because so honestly, fun. everything I knew... Is is now out the window. This is oh, it's delicious. It, it, it's so it's a, it's a very nice beer,
1: and it's enjoy. great too to have that that trick that um, that transitional beer. That's what this kind of reminds me of because the artwork is very uh, towards you know this time of year. It's got a little witch and everything on it, um, but it's not. It doesn't have that because when we think of winter, we think of like big warming beers. This is a big beer, and it definitely will have that warming, but it doesn't taste like that warming. No, and that's what I
2: like about it. And it's weird because it's a it's a it's a milk stout.
1: Yeah, uh, and apple
2: brandy bar- barrels. I love milk stouts. I like lactose in my beer. Apple brandy barrels, Calvados casks. They're probably my favorite barrel out of all barrels. So this kind of is just speaking to me on oh, on many levels. There's parts of me tingling and vibrating as, as I'm speaking.
1: <laughs> and it's, it's a beer It's an ant. They have another beer that's uh, their spring, this ver, uh, variation of this is, is Foolery, which is an Imperial Milk Stout in bourbon barrels. So it's just kind of like they have those two things going on. It's just a great thing when you get a brewery that likes to experiment with barrels, which, you know, you see a lot of breweries going to that now, but sometimes they just kind of look at it as a way like, oh, we'll throw it in there and beef it up you know that's how they kind of treat it as a way to beef up the, the alcohol in a beer, which it, it will do, but if you're really paying attention and want to have like, okay, what flavors am I going to get for this? are they going to complement this and then really figure out I mean to go to an apple brandy barrel, that's very specific and, and, and different than just saying, "Oh, what, what barrels can we get let me just throw it in there like that that's really picking apart and it really smooths this beer out. Which, that's what is incredible about it, is just the smooth, easy-drinking quality of this, and to have it at 13.5%, like, this is definitely one you could just kind of sit down and relax in an evening, maybe put on some smooth jazz. Yeah, some
2: Barry White, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, as you said earlier, um, everything is they do is pretty much um, definition of balanced, and when you're talking about making a beer like this, throwing it in an apple brandy barrel and getting that same kind of balance where there's really not much heat there, but it's enough explosive flavor and it's just it's a beautiful thing it's art yeah. that's when beer meets art
1: yeah and, and it takes a lot of, of patience and understanding of what you're doing when you're doing this because if you're throwing it on these barrels sometimes it'll take off on you and then all of a sudden all you taste is you know bourbon or and we've, we've all had beers like that people will throw a, just because you're throwing a beer into a barrel doesn't mean like oh it's going to be great like sometimes if you're not paying attention those flavors completely change from what you threw that beer into being you get it out and it's like the, oh this is I should just you know, serve bourbon.
2: Yeah. <laughs> of saying yeah it. Can I have a little bit of beer with my bourbon? Yeah, please. And, and
1: that's what winds up happening to some of these if they're not really paying attention. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it takes a lot of skill, and uh, definitely can say today from the lineup we had, Hardywood definitely has that skill, and I absolutely recommend anybody and then hop on hardywood.com you can find it there have a distribution footprint you can find a lot of the stuff take a look around and then find I bourbon mean, in our immediate area we have a fair amount of them they, they're kind of spotty with where they're at but i mean
2: and go to youtube too they do a lot yeah. of videos on youtube where they actually break down how they're making stuff they did a nice one in our sadamo stout where they actually go and they actually show them making the beer with the coffee roasters and stuff like that so
1: yeah they, they really know what they're doing Cannot recommend them enough. And it's great. That's what I love about doing the show is getting these phenomenal breweries on. And speaking of, next week, we're going to be joined by Brewmaster from Anchor Brewing Company. Mark Carpenter is going to be talking to us. This is a guy who's been there since the 70s. Oh, wow. So talk about knowledge. So tune in next week. For right now, cheers, everybody. Enjoy your Sunday.